are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Well, uh, thank you so much, Barney and Amy, for leading us so well. And uh, let me welcome you as well. Let me add my welcome to theirs, to you. Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Chris, and I get the joy of just finishing our series in Acts, as, uh, as Barney mentioned earlier. And in fact, next week, we're going to be starting our summer series called A Summer of Psalms. And throughout this series, you're going to hear from lots of different speakers from across our church. And each week, they're going to pick you know, one of their favourite psalms and just unpack that psalm for us. And so I'm just going to be delighted to be able to go through these incredible psalms and hearing uh, from yeah, lots of different people and, and how actually we can through the Psalms, bring all our kind of prayers, our petitions, our requests to God. We can worship him through them and, and they help us to really, I guess, make sense of all the different feelings and emotions through the situations that we might have been, with, been in. But throughout Acts, this series that we've been looking at, that we've been calling Acts of the Church, we've seen what the early church did then and therefore what should Hope Church look like today and so as we've mentioned whilst Acts might go by many different names like Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit we were specifically looking at the people of God what are they doing through these first kind of this first half of Acts to see yeah what should we be like which is why I've called it Acts of the Church and so far as you know as we finish this just look back through chapter one we saw how Everything that the early church did was only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're looking to be a church full of the Holy Spirit, guided by God. It's his church and we all get to play a part in it. We spent two weeks in chapter two looking at the purpose of spiritual gifts. And we saw that in chapter two and throughout Acts, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, action takes place. They start sharing the gospel um, with others and they're, they're praying for people and you know being filled with the Spirit isn't just a means to itself but actually the Spirit is then at work through us to see lives transformed in other people. We saw how the people of God weren't just full of the Spirit but they were also devoted to one another, devoted to baptism, to communion, to fellowship, to prayer, to meeting in the temple, to meeting in homes. And that's why we gather together in large groups on a Sunday and midweek. And, and we're obviously looking forward to doing that again very soon. And um, yeah, that's why we are devoted to prayer and communion and baptism. In chapter three and four, we looked at how healing uh, takes place and how it's Jesus who heals and the results of any healing that might take place are, are his and we're just called to pray and obey. And it just really releases us to, to go and pray for those that we might meet that are sick. At the end of chapter four and the start of chapter five, we looked at what the church looks like when it's at its best and when it's at its worst. And we saw that the worst thing that a church can be is full of hypocrites like Ananias and Sapphira, where what they say and what they do don't match up. In chapter five, we also at the end looked at the challenges of culture and how back then the Sanhedrin actually tried to silence the people of God sharing the good news of Jesus and how we can face that today. And, uh, you know, and the reality is that if we're going to offend people, let's make sure that we're offending them with the gospel and not all the kind of secondary hot potato issues of Christianity. 
few weeks ago, Simon led us so well through chapter six and the importance of having a diverse church full of spirit-filled people serving one another and the community, putting aside our unconscious bias and giving ourselves to one another. And last week, Phil covered uh, chapter seven, where Stephen uh, preaches the gospel and reminds us how we can also trust in the whole Bible and that when we share the gospel, we start where others are. We start where they are and what they know. We find common ground and then we show how Jesus is the king of it all and that he is the one that we should all worship and come to know. This is who we are, Hope Church. These are all the things, all the types of things that we should expect to see and happen as we gather together in our homes and on Sundays. And this week I've entitled my talk, Everyone Included. Everyone Included. You know, the the second half of Acts really is all about the establishment of the church across many cities and places through Paul's ministry and it's just amazing. We're not actually going to go into that, you know, as I mentioned, we're going to go into the summer of Psalms and and it's just incredible how that happens and we see the, the church expanding all over the place in that second half. But in these middle chapters, which I'm going to cover today, is really kind of what gives birth to all of that. Over and over and over again, we're going to see this bombardment of the message that everyone is included. There is no one, no person that is too far for God to include in his church. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. Anyone can believe. After these incredible chapters, we we get that rapid expansion of the church. um, And that even today, people like you and me, we get to hear the good news of Jesus God's own son dying for our sins in our place and we get drawn into God's great story into his plan to renew and establish his kingdom on this earth his new humanity Uh, you know what uh, Barney read out from Revelation this morning this amazing picture of what God is doing at work and, and establishing and everywhere the churches grew everywhere that they were planted the people in those churches were representatives of the people in the communities where those churches were present. So if those people groups were in the community, we saw those people in the church. And so I guess a question for us to ponder this morning, a question I want you to ask, and it will appear on the screen, is which groups of people do you know in Guildford that are not represented in our church? Other groups of people, you know, if you're part of our church, if you've been part of us, you know, if maybe if you've met in our life groups or met in on a Sunday before the pandemic started, which groups of people are in our community but aren't in our church? And I guess the question is, that follows on to that, is why not? And what are we going to do about it? And I wonder which groups has perhaps God placed on your heart to reach? In today's talk... What I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a whistle-stop tour of chapters 8 and 9, and then we're going to read most of chapter 10. And along the way, I'm just going to raise some questions for all of us to think about and to just think through. I'm not really going to give many answers today, but really raise lots of questions for us to, to, to really kind of start stirring our minds and our thinking as we all think about this idea that everyone is included in God's gospel, that he is faithful and committed to his mission to see all nations and all tongues and all tribes and all people's groups included in the bride of Christ uh, at the end of time. And I want to show how all of it comes out of the Bible and not kind of from our ideals or our kind of 
woke culture or anything like that. Actually, it comes out of the Bible that everyone should be included and partake in, in God's church and his mission. So get your Bibles out. Um, it might That would be helpful. If you don't have one, you can always borrow or have one of ours even. Just get in touch through the contact page on our website and I'd love to deliver one to you and give that to you. Um, you, you find it on the app. We'll also show many of the verses on the screen as well today. Um, so we're going to start off uh, in chapter 8 just at the beginning and Stephen he has just preached his message that's the one that we heard about last week and uh, right at the very end Stephen gets dragged out he gets stoned and he gets killed for sharing the gospel and there's a man named Saul who's standing over the proceedings he's approving of his killing and we'll hear a bit later about Saul and in chapter 8 at the very start it says this on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and he put them in prison. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You know Philip he went down to a a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. So let's just Pause for a second. We Right at the very beginning, we heard how God was going to take the gospel from Judea to Samaria to uh, the ends of the earth. And we see that happening now. It's not happening. It's happening through persecution. When trouble hits, that's when the, the, the church explodes and seems to, to grow. And, and uh, God is even using the, the evil things of this world, actually, to, to see his fulfillment his purposes come about he can turn these hard things to good which is a great encouragement to us who are coming through this pandemic actually God can use all of this uh, to his good and to our fruitfulness as we trust in him and seek him through it but here we get um Philip the one I pull out is that Philip he goes and whilst the people are all scattered he goes to the Samaritans and so a good question to ask is who are the Samaritans and why are they hated so much in the Old Testament, after the reign of Solomon, the Israel nation split into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was overtaken by a group called the Assyrians. And over time, the Israelites that were taken over by the Assyrians, they started to, to marry and, and intermingle. And their capital was Samaria. So the Samaritans are a mixed people group of, of kind of half Jewish, half pagan, and over this, the centuries kind of merged together. And so the Jews from the southern kingdom, who had the city of Jerusalem, uh, for, for many years looked down on the Samaritans. In fact, even now we, we know that Samaritans live in, in the West Bank, and there's all sorts of division and um, problems that happen in, happen in all that area. But the Samaritans, they're, they're kind of looked down by the Jews as being inferior, weak or sinful nation. And it's why Jesus, do you know what? He goes out of his way time and time again to honour and uphold the Samaritans. And it's why he takes time to talk about the parable of the good Samaritan. He talks about actually it's the Samaritan who's one that has a, a, a good heart, loves God and cares for others. It's why he sits with the Samaritan woman at the well and takes time to care for her and, and see her whole life transformed. And it's why Luke here takes the time, Luke who wrote, Acts takes the time to tell us that Philip chooses to go to Samaria to preach the message of the good news of Jesus. Everyone is included in the gospel, and that means people from groups that the society looks down upon, even they are included. And I wonder, you know, what groups of people do our society look down? 
And how can we make sure that we are sharing the good news of Jesus with them? It's a good question for us to ponder. You know, maybe God will place some people in your heart that, that, you, that you will be stirred to start to reach out to and see God break through into. Later on in chapter 8, it says this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake. Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, hey, go into that charity and stay there and stay near it. And so Philip, he ran up to the charity, he heard the man reading Isaiah and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And uh, that's what Philip asked. And the man said, well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So what happens then is the Ethiopian eunuch, he reads the scripture to Philip and Philip shares how it was all pointing to Jesus. Uh, the Ethiopian believes and he, they see some water, they pull over the carriage and he says, well, what stops me from getting baptized? And, and Philip says, it's not nothing, let's, let's do it. And they baptize him and church tradition tells us that Christianity spread throughout Ethiopia and large parts of Africa through this man's testimony. So Ethiopians are included, it's, it's important, isn't it? It's important that we recognise all nations uh, from all backgrounds are included. And that's kind of, I guess, what that Samaritan point was helping to highlight. But I guess the thing I want you to notice here, it's not just people from other countries that are included, but it's also eunuchs. And a eunuch is someone who doesn't fit the binary definition of male-female. Either through their own choice, like probably would have been for this, this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, if he had had a family, then he might be tempted to steal some of the treasury and would be l less um, kind of relied upon to do the role that he was doing. So it was probably a choice that he made. Or we know that uh, in the eunuchs uh, can uh, come about because of the way they are born. Some people are born neither male or female or bits of both and so you, um, eunuchs and we see that in the bible jesus talks about them in matthew 19 there are some people that don't fit the male female binary definition of gender and yet here we find this person hearing the message of the gospel believing in it being baptized going back into his country telling people about jesus uh, you know seeing a massive wave of christianity spread across africa and the question is do we see that today do we see Christians sharing the gospel and seeing people that fit outside of gender and sexual norms coming to Christ, being included in his church, being filled with the Holy Spirit, leading others to Christ and learning to obey and live for Jesus? And if, if we don't, then why don't we? Because it happened here in Acts. Here in Acts, it was taking place. And therefore, we need to trust that actually God can do it here today in Guildford through Hope Church, through me and you. That we should see people who don't fit the binary definitions of gender norms actually coming to our church, hearing the gospel, being saved, getting baptised, living for Jesus, loving him, growing and helping others to do the same. You know, the label that society gives you or that you might give yourself is not a barrier to you coming to the church. You know, you'll be treated with honour and dignity like everyone else because you're a child of God made in his image and he loves you and he is for you and do you know what so are we and so 
lukedown races are here are included in God's church. Uh, people who don't fit the, I guess, uh, gender traditional norms are included. Non-binary people are included, or and um, people from all yeah different backgrounds and definitions are included. But what about people that actively uh, fight out against the church, that try to persecute the church? Well, let's read chapter nine. Remember, it says this: Saul, he was the one who was watching over Stephen's death. And it says, meanwhile, he was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. He doesn't live in Damascus. He wants to go there and he wants letters from the high priest so that he can go. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is Christianity, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuted. And, and Jesus said, get up, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What happens then later on is that Saul meets Ananias and Ananias prays for Saul and Saul becomes a Christian. He gets baptised and he spends time with the disciples and he starts preaching about Jesus. You know, the very people that are the most vociferous against God, even them are included in his church. In fact, you know, I often find that the very ones who are the most likely to become Christians are those that are kind of most object against God because they're the ones that are thinking about life and God and philosophy and faith. You know, they might... And that might be you right now. You might be someone who's watching this. You're trying to pick apart the Bible or what I'm saying. And do you know what? God's got a plan for you. I believe it. And you might be, uh, you're a Christian and you're, you're getting a hard time at work for your faith, maybe at uni or at school or in the club that you go to. Do you know what? That very person who might be giving you the hardest time is, I believe, the very one that God might be working on most. And do you know what? He'll, or he or she will be one of the best ones at sharing the, the gospel with others when they come to know it themselves because they're the ones that don't mind sharing their opinion. That's the reality. And so isn't it incredible that Jesus is and God and they are at work looking to make sure that everyone is included in his church. Those from different countries, those who might have different ideals around gender and sexuality, those who actually uh, purposefully fight against the purposes of God in his church. And then we get into chapter 10. And we're pretty much going to read the whole chapter, so I want you to settle in. This is the best part of today's morning's talk. And it says this, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing and he gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and says, what is it, Lord? And he asked, what is it, Lord, he asked. Just before I carry on, I just want to mention that this is already an extraordinary moment because Cornelius is a centurion in the army of the nation that is ruling over the Jews and God has sent his holy, holy angel to speak to him. That is remarkable. And, and Luke wants us to know this and the angel, he carries on and he answers and he says, hey, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is also called Peter. 
He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. I'm just going to pause there just for context. Joppa is the very same place that Jonah boarded a ship to run away from telling the Gentiles about God. And now God is sending the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, back to Joppa so that they can hear about God. I think that's remarkable. And carries on, verse 9, about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray and he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared for him, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down on earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals. These are things that um, Jews cannot eat. It included reptiles and birds. They were like um, unclean to them. And a voice told him, hey, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times you know three is important for Peter it takes him three times often to kind of get stuff uh, three is a you know if you follow Peter's journey that's a big theme in his in his whole story but what happens is immediately the sheet is taken back to heaven and verse 17 says while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision the men sent by Cornelius found him where Simon's house was and they stopped at the gate they called out asking if Simon who was also known as Peter was staying there While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, hey, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Later on in the chapter, it says the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and he had called together all his relatives and all his close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter was like, no, no, stand up. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and he found a large gathering of people and he said to them, hey, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to even associate or visit you. To visit a Gentile, someone who's not a Jew. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God is telling him, hey, everyone can be included. So I, 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 when I was sent for you, hey, I came without raising any objection. So may I ask, why have you sent me? It's a great question, isn't it, to, to ask people, hey, what do you want to know about? Why, why have you sent me? What, what, what can I tell you about? Cornelius said, kind of tells him the story you know about how three days ago he was in his house he was praying and it was about three in the afternoon a man in shining clothes stood before him and said Cornelius God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor so send to Joppa for the Simon this guy who's also called Peter he is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea and so uh, Cornelius says so I've sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us I kind of often think, oh, if someone, you know, maybe invited around my neighbours and they say, right, what would the Lord like to tell us then? I'd probably be like, uh, I don't know, God loves you. But Peter, he's much more bolder and braver than me. And he began to speak and he says this, I now realise how true it is 
that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. And he, he, he would have told them all about Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah, the, the King of Kings. And, um, and do you know what happens is they, they hear his voice and the last few verses of chapter 10 says this, that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those are the ones who are with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on these Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God and Peter says surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptised with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have and so he ordered them to get baptised in the name of Jesus Christ and then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Isn't that just the incredible verses? That's, that's chapter 10. These are these just pivotal moments where Peter is just reminded that God really is for everyone. Everyone is included. You know, this whole event took place about seven years after the day of Pentecost. You know, it takes Peter quite a while to kind of get this. He spent three years with Jesus, seeing Jesus, speak to the Samaritans, speak to, to women and men, heal lepers, speak to, you know, Zacchaeus up a tree, speak to all sorts of different people, outcasts of society, from people from different nations. He's then been filled with the Holy Spirit, started churches, started movements, and seven years later, he's finally starting to get that God is at work seeing all nations, all tribes, all languages, all tongues, all backgrounds come to know him. Everyone is included. And I love those amazing words. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know, I want you to know that this is Hope Church. Everyone is included. No favouritism is shown. The look down upon groups, those who might have different ideas about sex or gender or marriage or relationships or parenting or singleness, those from every nation, every language, every tongue, from every background, from every class, from every people group, from every educational background, from every status in society is included and welcome to be in our church. And do you know what? It's messy and it's hard and we won't always get it right, but we don't look down on others. And we welcome them in and we show them grace and love and mercy and we lead them to Christ. And we trust that through the power of the Holy Spirit that he changes and he transforms and he renews. And we don't make him into our image, but we help them to know what it means to be in God's image and to live for him. And he will do it in his timing. Do you know what? They're, they're not. Yeah. And, and what it might take years. It might take 10 years, 15 years, 20 years for people to transform and change into all that God is doing in them. But do you know what? It takes us time. And I'm still being transformed and renewed daily by God's grace. And I thank him for his patience with me as I get it wrong and I mess up and I learn to live for him and trust him. And I want to encourage you to have patience with others that God might work through them, through the power of his spirit, not that you have to you know, run them through this change management program, but God does it through his spirit. You know, I asked this question at the start, which groups of people do you know in Guildford that are not represented in our church? And the question is, why not? Why aren't they? And what are we going to do about it? And it's not what are the leaders going to do about it, but what are we? Because we are the church. Jesus is the leader of this church. And we are the people following him, trusting him. And how are we together going to help see all the different groups represented in our community, also represented in our church? 
I wonder which groups has God placed on your heart? Who can you start reaching out to? What clubs can you start to join? Who can you actively make friends with? How can you show love, embrace and encourage and welcome others? Who can you invite? You know, when I think about church life and I think about Hope Church and, and I guess many churches in the UK, but specifically about Hope Church, um, there, are, there are a bunch of areas that we are doing so well. We're so good at encouraging people, giving them a warm welcome, giving them a coffee in their hand. People will talk to them and chat and make them feel welcomed and, and, and there's room for everyone to grow and I love that we have almost every single age represented and if you come to Hope Church, you will find someone in your age bracket, I'm, I'm certain. And yet, there are still, I believe, some groups of people on, on my heart, and I pray on all of our hearts, that I think we could do better to reach out to and, and welcome more. And here, here's a few that just, in my thinking, one of them is single people. You know, whether they're young, or maybe a single parent, or a, or a widow, or whatever it might be, you know, I have a real heart for those who aren't in relationships, aren't married. You know, there is so much that God has gifted you with, that has shown you, has given you. There's so much that, that you can do and grow in and, and you can give and you can uh, share with, with people like me who, who, who isn't single. And, you know, I want to I continue to see the kind of single people in our church upheld and honoured and grown and, and leading in our ministries and, and preaching and leading worship and singing and, and helping all of us to really help to uh, be a church that is welcoming to those who perhaps come to us in, in not kind of the 2.4 family unit. I believe that's an area that we can grow in as a church and you know it might be that you're single because you know you're a single parent maybe someone's left you maybe your your spouse has died or maybe you know you've been single your life maybe it could be all sorts of different reasons why you're single do you know what? I want you to know there's a place here for you that we we want to welcome you and encourage you and help you to be part of our church and we have we do have many singles in our church and I want to encourage more to to get involved to come and grow and find a place with us they get stuck in with with the families and all the different groups that we have going on another area is i want to see a wider range of classes in our church uh, when i look across i i can see lots of people i guess in the kind of middle kind of band i know that's a wide ranging band but i want to see wider range of classes representing our church, wider range of educational backgrounds, wider range of, um, you know, we're talking about relational backgrounds, but wider range of job backgrounds, a wider range of uh, economic backgrounds. And, and I believe that we can do more to reach into different, I guess, classes within Guildford and uh, beyond. I want to see more people that are unemployed in our church. And that might sound a strange one, but one of the things that right at the start of the pandemic, we, we met as elders and trustees to talk about how can we set aside money to make sure that anyone who gets made redundant or uh, really struggling with, uh, with employment, we can really serve them. So we put aside a bunch of money and we've used a bit of it, but hardly any. And I praise God that he's kept all our people in employment, that he's, he's served you, that he's, he's 
resourced you and given you money. But it, what it really does in me, though, it makes me realise, do you know what, there's a whole area of people that we aren't perhaps reaching so well yet. And it's an area that I want to grow in and help to inspire, to equip and encourage people that are unemployed or perhaps struggling to find employment to be welcomed into our church and for us to help them be a resource base. And it might be that you are struggling. Hey, get in touch. Let's, let's talk. Let's chat. Let's see how we can, we can help you. Another area is people whose English is their second language. And I just believe we can do more in that area. We have lots of people, and praise God, we have so many people from different nations, you know, like, you know, I've talked to people from South Africa, from Germany, from Bulgaria, from America, and uh, all speak English really well, which is fantastic. And, and yeah, I want us to grow even further with those perhaps where English is a struggle. And, and I want us to be thinking about how can we make sure perhaps that we have different translations of the Bible so they can help to read it in their own language? How can we make sure that we make it accessible? How can we make sure that we help people? Because I know there are people in, in, in Guildford that their second language is, is English and not their first, and they perhaps struggle. And I believe we can help and help to be more inclusive to welcoming that people group. There's, there's one more on my heart, and I know there'll be many on yours, but people who perhaps feel, maybe like the Ethiopian eunuch, that their lifestyle does not fit within the traditional gender or sex boundaries. And I, I want you in this church. I want us to learn together how to follow, love and obey Jesus and do life together. Just like every single other person in this church is, is growing and being transformed by Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit, I want to make sure that we are people whereby there is no barriers for people who perhaps um, don't conform to gender identity ideals within our community, have a place where they can come into our church and feel welcomed and blessed and, and encouraged and, and built up and thrive and flourish and come to know Jesus and be filled with his Holy Spirit and learn to live with him like all of us are learning to live for him and with him. Do you know that God does not show favouritism? He doesn't. I just wonder, are there any people that I have mentioned that you've raised objections about in your heart? Oh, yeah, but oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but how's that really going to work? And what about this? And, and what about that? No, no, no. God does not show favouritism. Everyone can be a part of this church. Wherever they are on the journey of faith, wherever they are on the journey of trust and obedience and following, some people, like I said before, will take 10, 15, 20 years before we see with our eyes how God is transforming them. But we believe that day by day, God is actually working in all of us through the power of his Holy Spirit, whether we know him yet or not, to bring us more into his likeness. And because God has patience with us, so we must have patience and grace and mercy for others. We're called to be a church who loved the Great Commission, planting new churches, making disciples, teaching the word. But we're also called to be a church who loved the Great Commandment, who loved God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and also love our neighbours as ourselves. You know, it, like I mentioned before, Peter spent three years with Jesus, seven years since he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It took him time to get his head around this, and it will take us time too, and that's okay. Let's have grace and patience for one another, but let's remember that everyone is included. No one is excluded. There is no reason why anyone can't come and believe in Jesus, be baptised, be part of this church, 
and come and, and know his grace and mercy and love on their lives. And so what I want to do, I want to pray, as I mentioned, I'm not giving all the answers today, I'm just posing lots of questions about what can we do as the people of God, because we believe that God calls us his church, and that he is calling us to be like this, like an Acts 8, 9 and 10 church, where all are welcome into his presence and into his family. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this series. I thank you, Lord God, how uh, we have been challenged every single week to look into, to delve into what, what did the people of God do in Acts, the earliest church, before there was denominations, before there was traditions, before there was church styles and practices. What did the first people do and what should we look like today as a church? And I pray, Lord God, that you would, I thank you, Lord God, for how you have established us, all that you've done in us. I thank you for the many people that make up our number. But as we continue to grow, Lord, we just recognise that tensions will come, different people groups, different people from different backgrounds. And I pray, would you help us to know that everyone is included? No one is excluded, that this church is for everyone. And help us to be a people who live like the like like Philip, like Peter, like Paul, like like the disciples in in the early church. Thank you, Lord God, for this rabble that was 120, that you grew to thousands, that you spread across nations and countries. And I thank you, Lord God, for how we can receive the gospel here today in Guildford, in Surrey, in England, in 2,000 years later. And I pray, would you help us to continue the work that you first started right back then. Help us to be a people that live like you, that are a church that um, are worthy to call you Jesus, our our head and our leader. Help us, Lord, to love you, to serve you, to live for you, and to live that out in the way we treat others and welcome others into our midst and into our presence and be part of who we are as Hope Church in Guildford. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.